Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. We've been doing a series this month called Unseen, and we're talking about how the unseen world affects the world that we see. And uh, we kind of did as our October series, and we're, we're kind of stretching in November a little bit. Uh, but we um, talked about spiritual warfare one week, kind of how spiritual warfare is real. We have a very real enemy who likes to attack us and come against us. Uh, we talked about how we respond to authority, because the way we respond to authority, it reflects the way we respond to Jesus. And today we're going to talk about how we respond to hard times, because the way we respond to hard times affects how people, uh, how we see Jesus and how people see us as well. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Romans. If, they have, if you have the Bible app by version, uh, the notes are all in there. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8. Hey, Kenny, you want to do that? Thank you. Um, Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be. I have to have them switch the lights back to white. I can't read blue. Makes it hard. Uh, Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 18. And so Paul is writing to the the Christians in Rome at the time of Rome. That's why it's called Romans. But these are Christians who are living in a, thank you, living in a world. Took me a minute. Wow, that got bright. Sorry. Uh, They were in Rome. I asked for it. So. Uh, but they were living in persecution. They were living under an emperor who was horrible. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and we talked about authority. He um, killed Christians for sport. He burned half his city and blamed it on the Christians so they could take out more on them. So it's a lot like the world we live in today where Christians were being persecuted because they were Christians. And listen to what he says in verse 18. So he's talking about how we, we share in Jesus' glory. We also share in his sufferings because of that. And he said this, For what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against this will, all creation was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope that creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So, all the death we see now, all the decay, you know how you get up in the morning, your whole body hurts, and you didn't even do anything? It's because of decay, right? It's because we, we age. One day, that's all going to be gone. I'm happy about it. Um, I'll get my hair back, right? I mean, that, that decay is going to be gone. He said, we're all waiting on that day. But then he says this in verse 22, we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us. As a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. For we were given this hope when we were saved, and if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Now, here's what I want you to catch at verse 26 The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes what? Everything, all things, 
to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Let me read that one more time. Verse 28. We know that God causes everything. What does everything mean? Everything. That means good stuff and bad stuff, right? Easy times and hard times. He said he causes everything to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For them, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So it says that we right now live in a world that's falling apart. Right now we live in a world that's not operating the way God originally created because of what? Sin that entered the world with Adam and Eve. And so stuff is not working the way he originally intended it. We weren't supposed to age. Women were supposed to have babies just pop right out with no pain, right? That doesn't happen. I've been in the room. It's not pleasant. (laughs) And so we live in a world that is decaying because of sin, but someday everything will be made right in Christ. Someday. And he says that he causes all things to work together, everything good. So How do we respond when life doesn't go the way we think it should? How do we respond when we get upset with God? Because sometimes we get upset with God, don't we? Sometimes we say, I wish this wasn't this way. And so there's this, like I said, there's this unseen world going on, and the way we respond to things that happen reflect how we respond to the Lord. So I want to show you a quick video. Um, This is talking about, living life in the, the way that we, things were dealt.
So we have to understand that Romans 8 says that God uses what? Everything for our good. Whether that's the easy things or the hard things. So how do we respond when we don't understand what God is doing? Well, guys, we have to understand sometimes we have a problem with God's justice, don't we? Do we sometimes have a problem with the way God does things? I have. I've told him. He didn't listen. He didn't do things the way I thought. But I, I told him, right? Back in the Old Testament, there's a book called Habakkuk. Many of you have probably not read it, but you love to say it. Habakkuk. It's a great, great book. But Habakkuk was a prophet. He was a contemporary of Jeremiah. And he was having a hard time with the way the Israelites were running from the Lord, the way that they were living their lives. And in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he's talking to God. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Huh. Kind of live there, don't we? So he's saying that he is tired of what's going on. And so we had a problem with God's justice because God sometimes doesn't seem to care that wickedness is prospering. God sometimes doesn't seem to care that wickedness is winning sometimes. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like that? We look at Israel. Terrorists came in, took a bunch of people hostage, killed a whole bunch of people, and the world is siding with the terrorists. And we say, why? What's going on? Why, why didn't you just, boof, you know, blow them up? And we felt that. But this claim's been around for centuries. I love this psalm. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. Psalm 73. If you have your Bibles, you, can, you might mark this. Psalm 73, starting verse 1. King David says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so people are dismayed and confused, drinking in their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while the riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? David is talking to God and saying this exact thing. Sometimes you don't seem to care. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it. But then David realized that God was going to act. Habakkuk was upset that God wasn't punishing people who seemed to need punishment. And a lot of us see this. We see human trafficking. We see people abused. We see kids left. And we say, God, don't you care? But he does. He does care. And he's put us here to show them that he cares, to show others that he cares. So sometimes it does seem like he acts, and sometimes it doesn't seem like he's acting when wickedness is prospering. Habakkuk said, God, why aren't you acting? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you working? The people of God were being wrong. but And then here's the thing, guys. Sometimes when God does act, his actions seem unfair. 
Have you ever felt that? Lord, sometimes it doesn't seem like you're doing what's right. Guys, we have to understand that God is way up here. He sees the whole thing. He sees the whole view. He sees generations down the road that we can't see. And sometimes when he's acting, we say, I just don't get it. This is what Habakkuk was saying. And guys, it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. I don't understand. I don't understand why, but I trust you. I'm going to follow you anyway and see you do the right thing in time. That's why we love sitcoms, don't we? When I, uh, when I have a call late at night and I can't go to sleep, I'll, I'll get in my chair and I'll watch the Andy Griffith show. Because in Andy Griffith, everything turns around in 30 minutes or less. Without commercials, it's like 23. Right? But, and we love that. We love those sitcoms where things get wrapped up in half an hour because it seems what? Fair. If you guys have raised kids, you've heard this. It's not fair. And what do we say? Life's not fair, kid. Suck it up. <laughs> I always said, I'm never going to say that to my kids. As soon as I had a kid, I said it. I'm like, oh. But it's true. And I always tell them, you're earning character. You're building character through unfairness, right? And so, but then, guys, sometimes even well-meaning people come up, and what do they say to us? It'll be okay. You're building character. Life will get better. And it doesn't seem to help sometimes. But God gives a response to this in Habakkuk chapter 1. God said, here's my response. I'm going to act, and I'm going to act soon. It's coming. Listen to what he says to the prophet in verse 5. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed. For I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't even believe if someone told you about it. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. Guys, this was the understatement of understatements. The Babylonians were one of the most wicked groups of people you could ever find. They would go into a country, they would rip open pregnant women and pull their babies out and leave them to die. I mean, they're like the terrorists of our generation. They were a rough group, and God said, I am raising them up. They're going to march across the world and conquer other lands. They're notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away like eagles. They swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. The people were saying, God, do something. And the Lord said, I am. But you're not going to like it. (laughs) And what did God do? He brought the Babylonians in, and they took over the people of Israel, and they exiled them. Because God had told the Israelites, if you keep acting this way, destruction is going to come. If you keep doing this, destruction is going to happen. They said, I'm bringing it, just like I told you. But it was for their own good, because what happened? After they were exiled, they turned around. They came back to the Lord. They rebuilt the temple. They said, we're going to follow you. We understood that it was bad. We're sorry. (laughs) But God's action was going to be fair. He told them he was bringing punishment. He told them that if they disobeyed, this was what was going to happen, and it wasn't going to be popular. So here's the thing. We tell God, I want you to do what you know is what? Best. I want you to do what's best. And guys, I can tell you, there are many of us who have gone through hardships in life, and we look back later and we see what? I grew through that. My faith got stronger through that hardship. My family got stronger through that hardship. I didn't like it at the time. In fact, I hated it. I asked God to end it early. But it was for my good. 
And guys, if you ever, if you ever go to the YMCA or Anytime Fitness or any of these places, and you go up to a trainer and you say, hey, I want to get healthy, I want to get strong, what do they say? Oh, it's going to be so easy. You're going to love this process. No, they say, you're going to hate me. <laughs> this is going to be a rough couple months. But in the end, it'll be what? Better. You'll be stronger. You'll be fitter. I know I've gotten up in the mornings, I can't even get out of bed because my legs hurt so bad. And I say, oh, Melanie, right? I just, or ooh, Terry, or ooh, Rex, because I did it to myself. I've had ladies tell me, I couldn't get off the toilet. And I cursed you for five minutes afterwards because my legs were so sore from class. But it's because we want to get stronger. So we have to tell the Lord, I want you to work and do what you want to do. So what do we do? What are our options when life doesn't seem fair? When we can't see what God is doing, when we say, God, I know that you're working all things together for my good, and that includes this hardship, what do we do? Well, the first is we can wrestle with God. We can wrestle with him. It's okay to tell the Lord, I don't understand what's going on. He can handle it. I found this quote by Craig Rochelle. He said, a committed believer can both wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. We can honestly wrestle and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you anyway. You can say, Lord, I don't get this. I'm not very happy right now, but I love you anyway, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you despite. If you're married, you've been here. How many of you told your spouse, I really don't like what you're doing right now, but I love you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm committed. I really don't like you right now, but I love you. And we do that with the Lord. We tell him, I trust you anyway. And we see all throughout Scripture, guys, the Psalms. If you're ever frustrated with God, read Psalms. Psalms are full of David telling the Lord, I don't understand, but I love you anyway. The book of Lamentations, the entire book, it's called Lamentations. Lamentation is a cry of sorrow. The whole book is Jeremiah saying, God, I know you sent the Babylonians. I know we deserved it, but I don't understand it. There's this quote, this verse we love to quote. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. You know where that's found? Lamentations. Saying, Lord, I know that you're faithful. I know that you're good, but I really don't get it right now. But I'm going to trust you that you're good. We can wrestle with it. Ecclesiastes, Jeremiah, they're all full of all these things. David, man, David said some really hard things to the Lord, and, and the Bible still calls him a man after God's own heart because he was honest with him, and he wrestled with him. So we can wrestle with God, and we can let our relationship with God grow amidst the tension of faith and doubt. We can let our relationship with him grow. Listen to what David said in Psalm 37. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you'll live safety, safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He'll make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about the wicked scheme. Stop being angry. <laughs> Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. David said that in Psalm 37. In Psalm 73, he said, I don't get it. <laughs> so we can wrestle. 
with God. We can allow that wrestling to grow our faith. So guys, if you're here today and you say, man, Pastor X, I'm really struggling right now. I don't like what's going on in my life. I feel like maybe God forgot me. I feel like maybe he went on vacation and, and turned on that you know, auto response email thing because I, I don't see it. I want to encourage you, stay with him. You can be honest. Lord, this is hard, but I love you. And you know the best prayer we can pray when we're in these things? Teach me. Help me grow through this hardship. Help me to learn what you want me to learn through this time. I can tell you, my wife and I, we've been through some rough times. And we've learned we wouldn't trade them for the world. At the time, mm -mm. <laughs> it's like, take me out of this. I prayed that prayer. Lord, I don't understand why I'm here. Take me, please, out of this. But in the end, when we look back, we say, wow, we grew. Man, our faith grew. Our trust in God grew. And we can tell people now when they're in the same season, we can say, stick with it. It'll get better. It'll be better than you can imagine. But you got you to suck it up and go through it sometimes. And it's hard. It's tough. And I know some of you are there, and that doesn't help you a bit. Because <laughs> you're in it right now. But it will get better. It will get there. But, man, sometimes it's hard in the meantime, isn't it? It's tough in those times. I remember I, I've probably said this before, but we were in one of those seasons. It was about a year and a half season. Ugh, it was rough. And one of my friends texted me and said, hey, I was praying for you today, and I felt like God told me that you're in the desert. I'm like, really? I could have told you that. When's the desert ending? That's what I want to know. <laughs> like, when's the other side? But he just said, hey, God told me to tell you to, to stick with it. And that helped because I knew it was coming. But, man, it did not help in the midst. It was rough, but we came out. So you can wrestle with God. You can allow that. Listen to what James says, James chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? Yeah, I read that right. Let me read it one more time. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This is James. This is Jesus' brother. And he said when, he went through those hard times. He was arrested. I mean, he had all kinds of troubles. And he says, when that comes, celebrate because you're getting stronger. When those hard times come, yeah, you're not going to enjoy it, but you're going to grow through it if you let him. So here's the choice you have to make, guys. We can wrestle with God, we can let our faith grow, or we can live life frustrated. And that's the choice we have to make. When these hard times come, am I going to stick with Jesus? Am I going to let my faith grow and realize that God is growing me, or am I just going to be angry and frustrated? And the choice is ours. And we see Christians that do both. We see people who get bitter, who walk away from God, and you know what? Life is still hard. Or you can stay with him and say, Lord, teach me. Help me to grow through this. Help me to become stronger and use me through this process. Because Paul tells us later on, this is we can comfort others and their hardships with the comfort we've received. In other words, I can go through this and I can help somebody on the other side. I can tell them, hey, I was there. I was in that, that spot just like that. And Jesus brought me through. And he can bring you through. He will bring you through if you'll let him. And you'll get stronger through it. 
So I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up this morning. There's a book called Hope in the Dark by Craig Rochelle. Listen to what he says in this. What if honestly acknowledging your doubts is the first step toward building a deeper faith? What if embracing your secret questions opens the door for maturing knowledge of God's character? What if becoming closer to God, developing genuine intimacy with him, requires you to bear that which feels unbearable? To hear him through an ominous utterance, to trust him in the moment of doom, to embrace his strength when you're weak with a burden. What if it takes real pain to experience deep and abiding hope? What if it takes real pain to experience deep and abiding hope? And guys, some of us are in a a moment of real pain right now. And God is offering you that hope. You just have to take it. You have to walk through it. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning if you're able. We're going to take a moment this morning to pray. So, Lord, right now, I just pray for all of us in this room. I pray for all of us watching online today. And I know that there are some of us in this room, there are some watching right now who are in moments of deep pain. We're in moments of of desert. We're in moments of grief and hurt and questioning. And, God, I pray that you would bring the hope of Jesus in this situation, that you would shine light in these dark places to know that better days are coming have to hold on. There are some of us in this room that have walked through that, and we've been there. We're on the other side, and we can look back and say, oh, it's life so much easier on this side, but it's hard in the middle. But God, I pray that you would bring that hope that only you can bring. My words can't do it. Others' words can't, but your presence can.